This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. How are you doing, Rich? You ready for this one? I got a good, this is a good word. I'm feeling very quenched. I'm quenched. My thirst for knowledge and my thirst for understanding of the current situation within the king's front office is quite quenched right now because there's been a very large and detailed report came out from the athletic from sam amick and jason jones and sham sharania as a joint effort and boy is this thing uh, juicy yeah, um, it was a lot to uh, – there's there's a whole lot of words in this, and they break it down in multiple parts here. Um, is there a certain portion of this that stood out to you that you want to start on? I mean, I'm sure a lot of it stood out, but is there a place you want to start here? Because it, it kind of – they are a little bit of separate segments in this. Yeah, there definitely are. Um, I pulled – out some of the parts that stood out the most to me um i think i probably would just start off by saying that the the number one thing here to me is that there is obviously a lot of pressure on vlade uh and his job right now he is definitely on the hot seat right now yeah, and I think Luke falls under that. It made it seem like we've kind of been saying that Luke and Vlade go hand in hand here. Um, and it's nice to hear that Vivek is, you know, holding these guys accountable and reasonably disappointed with the result that we've seen on the floor. You know, he's not taking uh, sort of this same standpoint that you that you hear from Luke and Vlade that, you know, this is just uh, – all because of injuries, blah, 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 and sort of all these excuses we've been getting left and right. Like uh, Vivek very much seems to be holding these guys accountable, and I think that's the very least that he can do. And, you know, a lot of it, um, they did touch on the Luca thing a bit at the start and mention that um, it, it did clarify that pretty much Vlade is the one making the decisions. The Vivek it, and correct me if you feel like this isn't uh, how you interpreted it, but that Vlade was the one making the decisions, that Vivek was fully letting Vlade handle that. Um, and, you know, post uh, not taking Luca, he started to sort of look into the scouting program. And with this year, he seems like 
he's taking a little bit more uh, interest in control in the team. Is that kind of what you got from this? Mm, I don't know. Um, I don't know about that exactly. I know that in the in the section of the article where they specifically talked about the pick of Bagley over Luca, they give a very interesting and very clear shout out to Brandon Brandon Williams. So I understand that Vlade makes the final decisions, and but we've always known that um, this death helped to me. Brandon Williams was also all aboard the Bagley train. Um, so I actually don't know that I, it, this is any more clear to me on that matter. It does seem like Williams had some say, or at least some influence in the Fair enough. But, you know, uh, Williams was a part of Vlade's squad. I, I just meant more so like you see like a New York situation where the owner seems to be uh, very involved in what was going on day to day in the basketball operations. And not to say that Vivek wasn't involved, but he didn't seem to be a main decision maker in this. Um, and, you know, that could be changing a little bit here. Um, obviously disappointed with the way this season is gone, as most of us are. And, you know, one quote, as it stands, however, sources state there is no indication that a change to the front office or coaching staff will be made anytime soon. Um, and then it did suggest or just sort of question if they would revisit that in the off season. Um, because, I mean, like we've mentioned, part of it is that you these guys have a four-year contract, Being these guys being Luke and Vlade. Yeah, they definitely do. I, I didn't see nearly as much heat on – on Luke Walton as you did in this piece, I guess. Um, I definitely understand how they are linked, but to me, this was a piece about Vlade Divac and, and how, I mean, the, okay, maybe the number one quote that stuck out of here uh, for me was saying that outside voices criticizing Vlade Divac should, Vlade Divac should no longer be his primary concern which is a really interesting and ominous choice of words, being that Vlade's had his critics forever. Uh, they've been in the fan base. They've been on Twitter. They've been on Reddit. They've been on this show. Uh, and we've known that forever. But it seems like his biggest problem is the criticism coming from uh, the owner of the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, that's interesting. Um and, you know, there is mention of the minority owners as well. I don't have that quote right in front of me, but Sam Amick also came on uh, KHTK. Um, I believe it was this morning. I don't know if it was – I believe it was this morning. It could have been last night. Um, and they were kind of questioning the involvement of minority owners in this. And, you know, Sam just pointed out that, you know, for years, even with the Maloofs, that minority owners – have been more involved in Sacramento than seemingly in other places. Like there was only so much he could speak to in regards to knowing other situations, but you don't hear about it as much as you hear about it in Sacramento. And it's understanding, you know, these people put money into the team. You want to have a say in the decision-making process, but you have a main head of the situation, a main brains of the situation and Vlade Divac. He needs to be making the decisions and it's going to be difficult when all these minority owners are trying to be in agreement, and you're not going to have all these people agree on the same thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that those 
could potentially be some of those outside voices that you're talking about, which technically are still involved in the organization, but not quite decision makers? Yeah, um, that's, I mean, I guess I'm not quite understanding. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, it was just interesting to me that the minority owners were mentioned in this and you sort of wonder um, where certain leaks are coming from of some of this information. Yes, I would that I definitely have the same question. I mean, it's not even not even really a question in my mind personally um, that this type of full on expose is got to be coming with very highly connected sources. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would put quite a bit of money on it being minority owner leaks, but that is definitely speculation and perhaps reckless speculation. But I mean, just looking at the tea leaves here. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel the same way with that. And um, where else do you want to move on to this? I know that the, uh, I mean, we touched on Luca a little bit and Bagley was obviously the guy they picked over this. There is concerns with the Bagley injury um, and kind of like was released recently um, that he it, it could potentially even be out for the year after it was just soreness. Um, there was a quote of some team sources believe Bagley's injury was worse than announced, um, which, you know, I mean, that somewhat has come out and we've been able to, like you said, connect the dots on that. Um, but that's somewhat notable in here as well. Yeah, it is. Um, I think that it's also interesting to to note that it seems the health factor you know, is acknowledged as far as there have been injured players and that doesn't help you win games. But uh, just to quote the article here, it says the health factor quite clearly will only afford Divots so much cover when it comes to run a Dive assessing responsibility. Right. I mean, every team has to deal with injuries and you can say obviously Sacramento has uh, sort of pulled the short end of the stick with that. And, you know, you've been missing. We mentioned the Bagley injury um, a lot last episode is that being a major hit since he is such a developmental piece. But yeah, I mean, it is glad to hear that. I mean, it, it makes sense, you know, that obviously he's only going to be um, backed by that for so long. Um, and yeah, so let me jump in here because yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to a listener who I think has a really good point and has done his homework. Who's reached out to me. He's got a great Twitter handle. Uh, Zaza peculiar. <laughs> it's actually pretty solid. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, he reached out to me uh, and, and he actually reached out to me like a long time ago to, to talk about this. Um, and it's interesting, uh, just, he's brought up the point and it's, it's a point that I don't think we have brought up enough. So shouts out to, uh, Jay Peters for bringing this to my attention, just that he feels very strongly and he's pointed out some evidence to this fact. And he's pointed out an article written by Kevin Pelton pointing this out as well for the athletic saying that between this season and last season, um, Last season, in terms of the injuries, was much more of the outlier than this season, whereas last year's Kings were extremely healthy, uh, like stunningly and shockingly so, to the point where maybe this team just 
wasn't that good anyway. Um, and it was just more good luck last year than bad luck this year. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way, but I, I think there is a really good point there. You know, Fox played all but one game that he sat out. I believe that was a Toronto game. Um, he, Buddy Heald played all 82. Um, Bogey, you know, only missing 14 or 12 games is nice as well. Bagley missing 20 could, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a lot better than what you got going on this year. Um, so, yeah, that that is a very interesting point here. I think that very much could be the case. Um, and is it too quick here to move on to this to this buddy quote? Because this buddy one stood out to me like it's not the most. I, no, it, it, there's I don't know. Buddy's been emotional sometimes and said some things. So I'm not quite sure how to take this. But this quote definitely did stand out to me. He's been extremely emotional. I I, I don't know. I don't understand people that are really, you know, let me, I was going to say defending buddy, but no, I, I do understand defending buddy, but I don't understand saying that buddy is not being outspoken because he has been extremely outspoken this year relative to the average NBA player relative to the average, like starting level slash, you know, high rotation player. He, when he, I mean, it started with the contract over the summer, as we know, and this article points out several times where he's not been shy at all to express his displeasure. Like, he's he, if he doesn't like something, Buddy will tell you about it, and he'll tell cameras and, and media about it, no question. I mean, and another thing that this article points out that's interesting and, and a very fair point that it didn't feel like Buddy did this last year. Like it came out last year that Buddy was displeased with Jaeger, that they did not have a good relationship. But that took a while to come out. It didn't feel like Buddy was going and saying this to the media like as often as you're seeing this year. Do, do you feel like that's the case? Or do you remember hearing it a little bit more last year as well? Um, so I don't, I wasn't in the locker room or around these guys personally last year. So I don't, I, I I don't know if I would have noticed it as much, but at the same time, the stuff that you really notice gets out, you know, like I said, on camera anyway. So if he was more outspoken, it we would have known whether we had access or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, and I it he did have some stuff to say, it seemed like, uh, or at least – I'm kind of reading tea leaves again in terms of the Jason Jones piece at the end of the year where there was players not really happy with the coach. I maybe buddy was extremely happy with Dave Yeager and that's, it's unfair to suggest that he could have been a part of the group that, that is mentioned mentioned as being frustrated with him. But I know I remember the, the Dave Yeager kind of screaming at buddy healed for taking an open shot or a contested shot and then not taking an open shot against the Warriors last year. So, um, but no, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right that he didn't speak up about it nearly as much. And, you know, it could just be built up from last year that, you know, he didn't speak up about it last year um, and that he felt like there were trust issues. If he was part of that group, he fe- maybe he felt like Jaeger didn't trust him and that was supposed to be different with Luke, you know, Luke coming in being a player's coach. Um, and, you know, there's a quote that's in this piece. It was from earlier um, in a December loss to Minnesota. 
Um, I believe that was the overtime one that was like one of the sloppiest basketball games I've ever seen. Um, but he says, seem, Heald says, seems like we're all over the place. Trust, trust issues going on, I guess. They stop believing in players. It is what it is. Um, and it kind of feels like that's just what Buddy has been going through this year. I, I know I don't have a quote in front of me but that he felt like the team was blaming the losses on him by moving him to the bench. And then what really uh, stands out in this piece is, you know, Buddy mentioning pretty much that, I mean, it, okay, this isn't from Buddy, but the quote is, Heald's situation remains one Divock has to monitor. If Heald remains displeased with his role, a source with knowledge of his thinking said he might request a trade. He believes he's a starter in the NBA, and there's no guarantee he'll get that job back given how the team has played lately. Yeah, it's massive. This is a massive piece of reporting here. And if you are not you, Brandon, but if you out there are hearing that and wanting to downplay that as nothing, uh, I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of people out there that are trying to pretend like that is completely insignificant. And Sam Amick has had to stand up for that piece of reporting already. Um and yeah, I mean, Sam Amick is the best at his job that there is. He's the number one source of Kings reporting in the world, quite honestly. Um, and if he is putting that out there, um, yeah, you can bet your ass there is uh, at least truth to what this source has said. And he would not he would not report that source's comments if it was not a source he felt was reliable. So. Um, Sure, maybe it ends in nothing, but it, it is absolutely significant that this is being reported. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. It's funny, like, because you know Sam Amick is based in Sacramento still, and when you see his national articles that are focused on other teams, like he had a piece on Igudala, but it comes out right after Miami is in town in Sacramento. And it seems like that is the case most of the time. So it's funny to kind of pick up on that a little bit. But you're right. I mean, Amick is always spot on with these reports. Um, and yeah, the dude is in the locker room, like, all the time. And it's so funny, actually, because um, he, like, First of all, I, I am like too cowardly to talk to him because he's uh, like so so incredible at his job, and he's basically doing and done all the things that I've wanted to do in in my you know small budding career. He's actually from Sac State and came through the State Hornet, and then going on the path, the now the Sacramento Bee, this kind of the path that I'm on. But I know I would never be able to reach his heights. So I'm like intimidated to talk to him, but he, it's so funny because he like stands off in the corner um, and just kind of hangs out until everyone else is gone because you know, he's just there to get, he's getting exclusives. Like he's just, he's waiting until everyone else clears out 
and then he's going to have some exclusive chat with someone and get something really juicy. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, this this Buddy thing, again, it's not from Buddy. It's as a source with knowledge of his thinking said he might request a trade. And this is this is weird to me. Like, sure, you're getting a little less minutes, but you're still closing games. Like, there's times he's not, but most of those are kind of justified. There are extremes, don't get me wrong, but if it the way this is worded makes it sounds like it is all revolving around starting. And I don't get that. I think that he still can play an absolutely crucial role. He can still close games. I think that's what should matter here. And like, I, I don't think it's a great look for Buddy to be like, you know, if I'm not starting, and again, Buddy's not saying this, but I don't think it's a good look for anybody to be, if I'm not starting, I want out of here. Like you're still getting a lot of minutes, no? I mean, and you're getting these opportunities. It's worked better for you. I don't know that I agree there just because I, I, I don't know this, but I would wager that most NBA players feel this way. And it's just a small ego thing. Um, and it's, you know, athletes, professional athletes, the best athletes in the world, you've got to have some modicum of ego. And I think that part of it is, yeah, we are benching you. Like that, that's what happened. Buddy Heald got benched. Right. Straight up. Buddy Hill lost his job. Um, and I understand that you can get as many minutes on the job or whatever, but your role has changed. Your role has been downgraded. Like that's what's happened. And most NBA players want to start. They just do. Um, I, I know that you and I don't care about that as much at all. Most basketball people will tell you it doesn't matter if you start. It's much more important if you close whatever, whatever. But also, Buddy Hill doesn't close too many games. Like he's he's been pulled in many fourth quarters, and that's another piece that you know that's also been brought up in this piece as well. Another uh, you know thing that he's complained about is not closing games. Yeah, I, and you know, I mean, kind of need to tighten up your defense to be out there. Like if you're gonna be a crazy liability on that end, then say Buddy Heald gets traded to a contender, you know, I mean, he's not closing games. And again, I mean, not again, but it obviously is different to be a six man on a contender. Huge. It's a huge difference. Six man on the freaking 14th team in the West. Don't you think that's like a huge difference? Yeah, it, it, is, it is ginormous. It is ginormous. I That's why I backtracked and caught myself there. But I mean, like, there's some justifications for why he's not closing games that are on Buddy. Like I said, there have been ridiculous situations where, like, Buddy doesn't play an entire fourth quarter. Um, And we know Luke's been a little ridiculous and extreme with some of these. But, I mean, some of this goes towards Buddy as well. Like, I don't know. This this just threw me off so much. He has such insane leverage here. I That's what is so different about the Kings. If you're a good basketball player – you you get so much leverage in Sacramento because, you know, the front office, and maybe this is not necessarily to blame them because, it, you know, maybe it's inherent to being in a really small market, but the front office can't bring in talent to replace you. So your leverage is just, it just explodes. Buddy Hill can do whatever he wants. If he wants a trade, he'll get a trade. If he wants 
to get paid, he'll get paid. Uh, if he wants to start, he's going to start really. Yeah. And I mean, also to be fair to buddy, like, would you really want to play in Sacramento with the way it's going right now? I don't think that I'd want to be on the bench. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that like I fully support where he's coming from, but I, I, I do get it. I mean, like I, I, I think that it's reasonable to be buddy healed and say, you know what? I could be starting um, on, you know, a market like Chicago. Maybe I could get a starting job uh, in that size of a market. Right. Um, There are big cities out there that could use me. I could get a chip in Los Angeles. I could uh, be a part of, a really exciting young core in Atlanta or whatever, whatever uh, I could go, even if it's another small market, you know, maybe I think that I could be the biggest star in Charlotte. Um, and it, you know, I don't know. I'm just throwing examples out there, but it is kind of a tough look to be a bench guy. That's not getting closing or opening minutes in a really small, in a really small market. And I, I don't want that. I, I, I would, I don't know. I, I agree that in a perfect world, none of that would matter. And he's just going to be a perfect saint, humble man, just being, listen, I'm going to go to work and do my hardest and not talk uh, about anything. And just be grateful for what I have grateful for the life I, I lead and grateful for whatever that results in. But you know, these are, these are NBA players and these are human beings. Like I don't know that anyone, I can really expect to have that level of humility. Yeah, I think there could be a balance between the two. And again, this isn't coming from Buddy, so maybe this is not actually the situation going on. And, and of course, it, it does mention, and Amick mentioned this on his KHTK interview as well, that Buddy has no issues with Bogey. It has nothing to do with that. They're extremely close, close friends, says here, and we've seen it before. He's one of his best friends on the team. Um, there's nothing to do with that, even though Bogey's technically the one that came in in his spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely something to monitor. Um, I mean, do you, I guess if you're Luke Walton here, do you just, do you start buddy after all-star break just because of this? I mean, you'd have to have a conversation with him. Well, I'll tell you what uh, I'll do on the, the very next game is I'll, uh, I'll start Corey Joseph. How about that? How's that sound? <laughs> oh yeah, just start him at the two. I mean, did he not start that game? <laughs> what the? Uh, I did not see the Dallas game. If this happened in the Dallas game, uh, yeah, he started Corey Joseph instead of Buddy Hield in the the very next game after this came out. Oh, okay. I did no, I did not see that. And then I know I know Bielisa played the five yeah. and I didn't catch that Corey started too. Oh man. Yeah. He started Fox, Joseph, Bogdanovich, Barnes, and Bielitsa. What? Was Bogey available? Uh, uh yeah. Oh sorry. He started Fox, Bogey. Yeah. Fox, Joseph, Bogey, what? Barnes, Bielitsa. Yeah, but he <sighs> played thirty one minutes off the bench. Okay. Um I mean it sounds like a fuck you. I'm just it, I, I'm not saying Guys. that it is, but that's like that's there's heavy fuck you vibes. Right. To that. I, you also could somewhat justify it that you know it has been working bringing Buddy off the bench. 
So like there is oh, oh, an argument sure. the other way, but it does. I totally see where you're coming from. I'm that, just saying it, vibes. It totally looks like a middle finger. Yeah. I'm just saying vibes. Yeah. No, it's uh, it just was a tough look. Like I just didn't. I was like, when I read that, I'm like, oh wow. I wonder if uh, Buddy Heald will start. And then it's like, no, <laughs> he's definitely not. And they're actually going to start another guard. They're going to add a third guard into the starting lineup, but it's specific. Yeah, that's uh, that's not a. It's, also, first I, man I off so the mad. first man off the bench, Daquan Jeffries. So, <laughs> so I mean, oh, no. <laughs> like uh, I don't know. It does have middle finger vibes. Wow, Daquan Jeffries too. Yeah, no, that that definitely does. That's a. Yeah, that's a rough one. I mean, it's something something to monitor here. If if that starting spot means that much to Buddy, you know, I mean, have him the first sub out and bring Bogey in. If that really is what's going to make the difference here and you still can play him in this somewhat similar role that's been going on. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be something to monitor here. But um, you ask a great question, which is, do you does this affect your decision of who to start and it's a good question and I don't know that I have a really great answer I mean I would like to say no right I think that's like the high-minded approach is no it's working to bring healed off the bench and maybe one day healed will be reincorporated but that will be you know regardless of his comments right but like you you know you ask the question because this is now some complicated calculus. I don't, and I don't know anymore. What would you do? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know either. Like, like I said, if that is the difference, then I guess you start him. I mean, but then like, yeah, I I mean, what does this do for the other guys around too? Like, I feel like this presents so many questions that I'm not going to have answers to, but like, how does bogey feel about this? You know, like, we're not going to know, but if all of a sudden he's moved to the bench just because Buddy was complaining about getting his starting job, how does Bogey feel about that? No, that's a that's a good point, and I think that can be kind of a separate issue. I mean, couldn't you start – if you're going to start Fox, Joseph, and Bogey, can't you start Fox, Buddy, and Bogey? For sure. You totally can. I think that's probably what I would do. I don't want to, you know – whatever negotiate with terrorists and like just give anyone whatever they want as soon as they ask for it or whatever. But at the same time, that's also doesn't feel like a terrible lineup anyway. It's one that maybe should be considered until Bagley is back in the lineup regardless. And then also if buddy going to the bench is making them win more games, I also don't really give a shit about that. The season's over, man. It's seven games out of the playoffs. It's the all-star break. The season is dead and gone. I mean, why not just keep the players you have happy? Uh, who cares if you win these games or, or if you don't? And then at least you are not forced into a position in the summer where you have to make a move you didn't want to make. And If you need to make a move, you make a move. But uh, at least you have a relatively happy player to to deal with and i know it's a little transactional thinking but you don't want to trade buddy from a position of weakness so at least if he were happy to stay with the team you know maybe you could get more out of him if you did need to trade him. 
Yeah, I think you have a really good point. I mean, it's not about the wins right now this season. Sure, you want to get some nice momentum and maybe a little bit of feel good and like show, you know, we can do this. Like we pieced it together at the end. We're going to take that momentum into the off season and into the next season. But yeah, it's more important to keep these guys happy of what is your core. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is a low point for Buddy's trade value compared to last year, obviously. But I still think he would have a decent trade value um, come the offseason, obviously, when that extension kicks in and everything. I think that his shooting would be very valued by some of these, you know, fringe contender teams. Let's, um, let's explore this. Let's explore this because I don't, I don't know that he has a tremendous amount of value. And if he's un- unhappy, I think it goes pretty low. I think it does. So what type of trade value do you think that Buddy Heald has now? I mean, not now. You can't make a trade now. But say, say that his exact value were to, were to not change between now and the summer. What would that be? And and then also, if he were to really be vocal about wanting to go, how would that affect the trade value? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Sacramento just loses a lot of leverage in trade conversations if he's just extremely vocal and the words are coming from him that he wants out of here. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know how to compare it in regards to what exactly would come back, but I, I figured I could compare it to what I feel like Bogdanovich's value is because we've talked about that a lot and thrown out trade packages out here. And I don't think it's all that. I mean, hmm, to a contender, a very top tier team, like we mentioned Milwaukee for Bogdanovich, I, Buddy Heald is lower value easily. But I think some of these middle level teams, if you're looking at, you know, a, a Brooklyn that's looking to add a complimentary piece, I, I think that, that they could be very interested in Buddy. I think Orlando could be extremely interested in Buddy, where it is lower level than Bogdanovich, but I still think that it's somewhat comparable there. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So... We did a lot of exploration of Bogdanovich's trade value, as you mentioned, and it didn't seem that high. Um, I mean, like some of the best packages, we're talking like, you know, a couple prospects in a late first rounder, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, first thing when you ask the buddy thing, I kind of think of, you know, a late lottery pick. Late lottery seems, seems high to me. Like, I don't know. So say, I mean, this is probably how I would try to ask the question is, what pick in the draft do you think a team would take, would trade straight up for Buddy Heald, assuming that they had that space just just fully open at the start of free agency? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're talking 
somewhere in the teens. Um, but probably, yeah, like I said, I, I would think 13 at very earliest. And I'm also considering, like, I guess that this draft is a little bit weaker here. Um, so in general, yeah, it's probably barely outside of the lottery if you're just talking a normal draft. Yeah, um, here I've got one to throw at you. Tell me what you think about this. So Atlanta, obviously, they traded their first-round pick that is incoming from Brooklyn. But Atlanta is a team that has a lot of cap space. And say, say for example, that they had walked away from the trade deadline retaining that Brooklyn pick. Do you think that they would would have offered that straight up? Is that a deal that – do you think that deal works? Pick 16 – um, let's say, yeah, pick, yeah, pick 16 or 17 for Buddy Heald straight up and knowing that the Hawks have probably too much money to spend effectively. Because of the Hawks situation, probably considering, you know, they also are looking at their own pick here as well. Um, if it was that Brooklyn pick, um, and yeah, I mean, that does kind of feel bad to get back a 16th overall pick for Buddy, you know, but if he's forcing out, I guess it's a, it's a decent return. Um, but yeah, I think Atlanta would do that. I think Atlanta might be a little bit of like a very specific situation that I think I, I've always thought that they would really like Buddy when we were trying to figure out how much he could get this uh, offseason or extension talks. But yeah, I mean, I think that Atlanta would, strongly consider doing that do you i don't know um yeah i just don't know i i feel like those teams that are fully building from the ground up may not be super high on a 28 year old shooting guard um when it feels like they could replace i mean like is he even better than uh herder is he even like, would the Hawks even trade straight up Kevin Herter? Well, the Herter thing pretty much becomes Buddy and Bogey again. You know, like, I, I think that they're a little different, but they get sure. sort of the same situation going on. Yeah, I, it's possible. I, I just mean, from Atlanta's perspective, I don't. Would you, wouldn't you just rather keep your young guys on cost-controlled contracts or keep your picks? Yeah, yeah, that's a good like, point. How about okay? How about Miami? Um, they could probably use just an extra shooter for sure. I mean, that there's nothing wrong with that on that team, on that lineup. Um, they've got the 23rd pick in the draft. They'll have $20 million in space. Mm-hmm. Would they trade pick 23 straight up for Buddy Heald? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, like you have, yeah, no, you have Robinson and Hero that are doing enough shooting. And the 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 reason I said like that, I feel like these top contenders and the East top contenders is really five teams that like all feel like they have a shot of really making the finals. Buddy doesn't work there because he's so atrocious defensively. Like value wise, I I think that that would turn them away. And I also think that because that's a large market or at least a, a market that's desirable to free agents, I think they probably look at that $20 million in space and be like, hey, we can do better than that. We can find a way to bring in a superstar. We can, we can, you know, 
we're saving up money to try to entice Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. Let me throw, let me throw a few more out here. Uh, is this, is this worthwhile, this conversation you think? Yeah, this is interesting. Cause I haven't thought this through. I, I think this is good. Okay. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, they have pick 19. Do we agree they could use, uh, buddy healed on this team? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like a need for them necessarily. I think they'd really like a three or a long-term center, but yeah, I mean, they could use them. So what if they scrapped together enough, uh, outgoing salary to, to make this work? That's what that, that, that's not like, you know, hugely negative. Um, maybe they, maybe they offer like, Dale on right and Dwight Powell or, or something like that. Or maybe, may, oh, you know who's perfect? Tim Hardaway accepts that player option for 19. Oh, there you go. Straight up uh, Hardaway and pick 19 for Buddy Heald. Um, hmm. I... That's interesting. I think that... I don't know. Like, I almost would rather have the cap space if I was Dallas, you know, and once Hardaway's not there. Yeah, I mean, this one, this one to me is closer, or this one's pretty close. I, I could see just because of how dominant on ball Luca is that they're like, hey, you know what? We could definitely use an elite spot up shooter. And he's not like taking up max space. They kind of already have like the best offense that we've seen in years, though, and their defense is just terrible, you know? Yeah, um, that's definitely fair. Like Houston comes um, to mind, but Houston is, you know, max contracts to two guys and minimums across the rest of the board. And they don't have like a first pick ever. Like the right. first round, they like never have. By the way, I, I noticed this today. They, the last time they picked first in the NBA draft was. Sam Decker in 2015. Sorry, not picked first, but picked in the first round. And they don't have their their next uh, like they have uh, their future first round pick uh, going out next season. So like they just <laughs> don't pick. They just never. That's pick crazy. In the first round. That's crazy. 2013. Wow. Uh, or, or sorry, 2015 is the last time they picked in the first round, and then they have. Uh, let me just make sure. Yeah, yeah. So Houston doesn't have a pick this year in the first round. In the in the first round, they haven't picked in the first round since Sam Decker. And then the following year, after this year, they have a trade swap. They have like they have a swap rights in place, so they'll get the worst of three teams' picks, which is like almost guaranteed to be like pick thirty or pick twenty nine or pick twenty eight. But anyway, you brought yeah. up you brought up Brooklyn, right? Yeah. So what about what about like I don't even there's not a there's not easy salary here, but what if it's something like uh, just let's just say they had expiring, say they had matching expiring money, do they do their pick, which is coming from Philadelphia, pick twenty one? Um, coming from Philadelphia, I. Hmm. And alongside Kyrie and KD, I think you, I think they might do that. Okay. So yeah, I, I think that's about where I'm at too. I, I think that makes sense. And then pick 20 as well. 
is Oklahoma City, you know, kind of maybe in the same place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like Philadelphia kind of interests me. They don't really have the pick, but like, you know, a Horford bogey situation. Well, that's the problem is like we're going through this and there are so many teams that there's an issue with. So it's like it seems like finding the right fit for Heald is is pretty hard to do. But I would say I would probably agree, you know, maybe Denver at 22, like somewhere in this in this 19, Dallas picks 19th, Milwaukee picks 18th. So somewhere in this group, maybe 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, maybe that's where Buddy Heald's value is. And I mean, wouldn't you be so disappointed if that's what you pulled for Buddy? Yeah, I mean it's a disaster. I mean it's a straight up disaster. Uh, as are all things Kings right now. Like just to be honest about it, like that's that's what's going on left and right. Is everything is is just coming up, fucking disaster. Yeah, you know, for fun, what organizations are worse off right now than like Sacramento is? Like, what? Who would you? Who? do you feel like you could be like, no, I'd rather be the Kings. Like there's the Knicks. And is there anyone else? It's not the Knicks. You would much rather be the Knicks. I'm just sorry. Just because like, they're New York? Just because you're New York. Yeah. Just because like maybe one day no one sells. And and then you've got the garden and you've got the biggest market in the world. I saw yesterday that the New York Knicks have been reported as the most valuable NBA franchise in the league. Oh, right. So I, I'm just saying, like, I'm in terms of, like, dollar value, you know what I mean? And maybe people are trying to inflate that to get Dolan to, like, bite and sell. But uh, That's funny. I never thought of that. <laughs> I just mean, like, that's still such an immensely profitable business to run, and it's still such, like, a storied, loyal, massive, massive fan base with an insane market. I, I think you would rather be a fan of, of the New York Knicks. You'd rather be living that life. I don't know. There right. are not many. I think that Charlotte has an argument. Yeah. Letting Kemba go right. for Terry Rozier. But Cleveland? Cleveland, definitely. you got an argument. But then, like, Cleveland was saved. You know what I mean? Like, like their savior returned and and brought them a championship. Like you're probably living off that. You're probably, you're sustained. You know what I mean? Like, right. You're a Cavaliers fan. Like you're going to be okay. Um, I think maybe you could talk Detroit. Yeah. I thought of that, but they are like, I mean, yeah, they're not getting a great pick this year. They don't really have going anything for them. Like we like Seku, but I mean, that's just kind of a long shot, you know? Um, Wizards, maybe? Wizards, somewhat, but like you can at least cling on to Bradley Beal, who's like a legit all star, even though he wasn't. I wonder if that might be worse, though, because you know you got the guy and you know eventually he's leaving. Like, you know, you're just waiting. You're just waiting for that, that Woj bomb, like uh, over the summer. Yeah. It's just, it's going to happen. But, I mean, if, if you look at the summer and he's the biggest name on the market. Like you could get a really nice pool for him. Yeah, it's possible. I maybe Phoenix. Um, sorry to all of our weird Phoenix fans that listen to this, <laughs> all of our weird Suns fans that listen to this podcast for some reason. That's a rough one. I, I think that Phoenix, yeah. in terms of the West, that's your only 
that's the only one you can even bring up. Yeah, it really is. Like Minnesota, you know, D'Lo Cat, at least you have something to look forward to, even if I question God. the success they're going to have. Can you imagine the joy? Dude, I love watching Minnesota right now. Like I am so interested in Minnesota, and it makes me so upset because they're they're terrible. But I'm just like, man, Sacramento could have this full reset. You know, like they could I would have do done anything. something to be entertaining. Yeah. I would like, do anything to you be know a how much fan of Minnesota. It would be to be covering, yeah, it'd just be a fan of Minnesota right now. You know what else I love is fucking freezing cold winters, and that's not even a joke. I would <laughs> do anything. I would relocate today. Hey, Minnesota, offer me a job. I'll be <laughs> on a plane in a goddamn second. There you go. Yeah, and you know, like I've always thought that like this season that like the Bulls feel very reminiscent of the the Kings in the East because like the coaching seems to be screwing everything, but you look at it and look at the amount of young talent on that team, you know, Kobe white, Zach Levine, um, Otto Porter's older. He's like Harrison Barnes, but then you have Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter jr. I mean, you have more to look forward to player wise there. Um, yeah. I mean, point is super rough. What we got going on in Sacramento. We've said this a couple times, obviously, um, we were talking about an article at one point. Is there anything else from this article that stood out to you? Um, you know, I think we did a good job covering it. Um, the one other thing to note, I think, would be Anil Ranadive is kind of making himself known as uh, a piece of the, the the Sacramento pie moving forward. Um just something to keep an eye on. I guess it's not anything breaking. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this was to me, it was the buddy thing was like kind of the breakingest news. And then the, the overall most, the meatiest news was just knowing for sure, for a fact, undisputedly that Vivats is on the hot seat. Yeah, pretty much. Those were the two main takeaways. There was a lot of kind of the stuff that we already knew going on in this. Like we talked about the Bagley thing a little bit here. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were the main things for here. And Anil, um, just for listeners that aren't aware, is Vivek's son, who seems to be getting in on the decision-making process a little bit more. He uh, was there for the Luca uh dinner and shared that on social media at one point when that happened and then put his Instagram on private after a little while. So yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on a little bit there, but um, I think that is all I got for this one, man. Yeah. I, I think that we did a good job covering the news. Uh, if you don't have an athletic subscription, I, I'd probably recommend getting one just to check this story out, honestly. Uh, and, and to, keep following those guys and what they're doing. Also, I will just plug, uh, if you want to read what I write, please get a subscription to the Sacramento Bee or just download the app because all my articles are free to view on the app. Uh, so that also works. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, um, but I know there is a link. Last I saw it was on Chris Kirshner's page that you can even get a free week of The Athletic. Um, check out this article. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like you said, they just have amazing content. Use that week to just soak up as much NBA content as you can, and they do absolutely amazing work. Um, and, yeah, check out your stuff going on at the B here, too. You're diving into a little bit of draft profiles, right? Yep, just started that. Um, obviously, 
definitely read Brandon's stuff over at Royal Pain. Read Sacktown Royalty before that whole thing goes tits up after everyone is fired uh, in about a month and a half. Um, Use Q-tips, people. No, don't do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, the next thing I'm working on, I will just, I'll throw this out there because it's kind of tied into what we talked about. But um, tomorrow morning, by the time this podcast is up, I should have a piece out on the Sacramento Bee about how the Kings could be the worst team in the Western Conference next year. So that, I think we've talked about this just briefly. Um, so I pointed out that the Warriors are going to get obviously better and the Timberwolves just got their guy in D'Lo. So do you think that they're going to be 15th or 14th? or They're 13th right now. I think it's going to get worse next year. <laughs> I mean, I like to think that it's going to get better, but I mean, when you look at the rest, yeah, like the two teams below them are – going to get better you know i think even beasley's not mentioned in minnesota i think he's a great pickup for them um like you said golden state's obviously gonna rise here the memphis thing is just so depressing like um yeah i mean it's hard to not see them being bottom two at least Uh, yeah i don't know which but also you know i mean maybe you could see memphis like slow down like i don't know you saw sacramento kind of climbing last year and then they slow down maybe you hope san antonio has a fire sale of their guys um but even then you have popovich coaching g-leaguers i might trust that more yeah that's like almost almost verbatim like what i said in the article san antonio is the best bet i think if they do end up letting a lot of their guys go or, or having a fire sale. And then I think you, you can at least maybe look at Phoenix as they just haven't done enough to improve. Again, shouts out Suns fans listening where they're basically on the same level as the Kings right now. So it kind of depends on, you know, who improves faster, but th- this is one other thing I'll, I'll just, I'm going to shut up because I know whenever you ask me if I got anything else to say, I always say a bunch of other shit, but uh, this stood out to me. So I was looking at those teams, right? I put the the Spurs as the most likely team to actually be worse than the Kings next year. And then the other two that I considered were the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Phoenix Suns that maybe, you know, they're around where the Kings are now and maybe they just don't put it together. You know what I mean? And this is what jumped out to me. Minnesota and Phoenix both have 11 players under full NBA contracts this year that are less than 25 years old. And the Kings have Fox and Bagley, and that's pretty much it. (laughs) 25, too. Like, that's not even that young. No, that's really not. I mean, they technically, they have have Harry Giles, who they declined an option on. They have Justin James, who they refuse to play, and they have Jabari Parker, who's oh going to turn five. I don't want to hear about him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then you know, we're just going to really look forward to this draft pick that's coming in. That's the only way I can find optimism in this. I've been doing a lot of draft research. You know, that's the only thing that gets me happy right now. Sacramento related. Hell yeah, we'll we'll, we'll kick up the draft uh, coverage to full gear. Yeah, and, uh, you know, here's hoping that Buddy goes out and wins the three-point contest over the All-Star break and makes him feel a little 
a little better about his whole situation. Who knows if that helps. <laughs> but that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Thanks to everybody for listening. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.